What's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast for Monday, November 29th. We are just about done with week 12 and getting close to the end of the typical fantasy football regular season. Michael Beller here to guide you through this show where we're going to wrap up week 12 and take a quick look ahead to week 13 also. As always, I am joined by my two trusty co-hosts. Let's introduce Jake Seeley first. Jake, what's going on, man? Uh, nothing. It's, yeah, it's that point of the year. Tired weekend, long weekend filled with Thanksgiving fun and all family and all that stuff. But yeah, need that third wind for that home finishing (laughs) stretch here. Then get final lap. So we're headed into it. Yeah, we really are headed into that final lap, aren't we, Brandon Funston? And normally every other year of our lives, except for uh, the weirdos like you who played in those Week 17 championship games, we'd be talking about this as the last week of the fantasy football regular season. And now we've got two weeks left for the typical fantasy football regular season. So still some time here to get into the playoffs if you need that help. Yeah, and I'm out of the weirdo. I'm out of weirdoville. I have no Week 18 uh, fantasy leagues this year. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm back in. Uh, I'm back with the normal crowd. Did that league that we made fun of you for last year fall apart, or did you guys just say we're Week 17 regardless? Well, it was just so set up well for Week 17. We didn't want to make any changes to it. We're like, you know what? We got the we got the way we like it. It's Week 17, so why mess with it? So yeah. <laughs> All right, the NFL uh, forced your guys' hand to uh, get you onto the uh, the normal path on the normal schedule track here uh, with a Week 17 championship game now, which means, as I said, two more weeks in the typical fantasy football regular season. Let's look back at what was, uh, I think, a pretty fun Week 12, actually, and uh, spin this forward to Week 13. Let's start things out with winners and losers. Jake, you take this one away first. Who was the big fantasy winner for Week 12? everybody who has trusted and stopped worrying about Shanahanigans and can now say that even if you had 2% worry still left remaining, it should be completely gone and you should have 100% faith in Elijah Mitchell because Mm -hmm. Elijah Mitchell came back. Even all the reports, hey, I had him as a low in RB2 because of the reports, which is what we can only go off of, that he was struggling to catch the ball and struggling to carry the ball in the one hand and yet come out and Mm -hmm. catching the ball just fine bajillion touches and Elijah Mitchell is clearly <laughs> as he has been for the entire year is Shanahan's guy you can feel you won if you have Mitchell and Mitchell owners going forward they won period that you've won going forward yeah I will say uh Miami Dolphins uh are winners in that they and I'm talking specifically about Jalen Waddle and Miles Gaskin and Miles Gaskin's mm-hmm. You know, his his performance wasn't that impressive other than he found the end zone twice. But we kind of said, you know, I know, Biller, we talked about this last week that the volume is just almost a guarantee that, you know, at like 20 touches and he got 19 and that's going to win most of the time. And he proved that even on a bad day against a good defense, getting the end zone twice, you know, where there's volume, there's a way. And then Jalen Waddle's been getting volume all year, but this kind of just was a you know, like a, a, a true rookie breakout game against a, a good defense again with the with the nine catches, 130 yards, making big play. You know, watching red zone, he popping on Jalen Waddle seemed like over and over again early in that game. So, um, yeah, just impressed with him. And if you look at his, you know, completion rate with, with two, it's been fantastic the last mm-hmm. few weeks. So uh, I kind of really feel like Jalen Waddle's really rounding into shape as a, as a true, you know, as a true elite receiver in this league. He really, uh, really popped as one of the big guys for people in week 12. Our guy Jiggles here feeling good about acquiring Mitchell and CD for Barkley and Cooks right before the trade deadline. Definitely looking like a good move there. Who did not have the good moves, you guys, in week 12? Funston, why don't you take this one first? The loser for week 12. 
Yeah, I, th- I think you could go to the opposite side of the Miami game and, and go Carolina. The losers, Cam Newton, who had who was so bad he had to be benched. Uh, you know, and I had made the move to bench Russell this week for Cam Newton in one of my leagues, and I am so <laughs> regretting it. Um, Christian McCaffrey out of that game in a walking boot. So as much as mm-hmm. you know, Miami was the winner in real life and in fantasy in that game. I think the loser could be found, you know, in real life and in fantasy in that game as well in the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I would say for one of those losers, anybody who faced Leonard Fournette. So that's uh, we had another one <laughs> yes. of these weeks. Those are liter- literal losers. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say, look, multiples. Uh, if you had a potential top 10 running back at this point, uh, like DeAndre Swift hurt, Zeke potentially going on rest, Nick Chubb did nothing, Saquon Barkley the healthy but still doing nothing. Uh, there's just a lot. Dalvin, Dalvin Cook, Cook down. Like just If you had a top <laughs> what Najee Harris had McCaffrey. a bad game. McCaffrey, like McCaffrey, just like, said. Yeah, well, like it was McCaffrey. Yeah. I was going to say is basically if you, <laughs> you're you're a winner if you had a top ten running back who made it through week twelve. Mix, honestly, Mixon and Eckler probably right. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Eckler and, saved his day with a touchdown. It was yeah, actually a really yeah. bad day for the Chargers. Yeah, and Aaron Jones, uh, he's healthy, and they're going into their bye, so he should be healthier next time we see him. But, well, and, uh, you know, as they came out, they came out with the 60-40 split for Jones, uh-huh. and Jones was the lead, but that game got out of hand for them, and they just kind of right. ran it down the throat. So at least if you have Jones, I, for, I know we're not kind of going game by game or whatever kind of free-for-all in this game. I would just say Aaron Jones' teams, I wouldn't be concerned about yesterday. Yeah. Like, he was getting the use until the game got out of hand. And we will get into that, actually, because that's actually the first game that I want to talk about. But quick, you know, we've sort of mixed in the waiver wire over the last few weeks because it just hasn't really been that robust. It really, frankly, for our purposes on this show, hasn't really deserved its own little segment. This week is kind of different, though, you guys, because of all those running back injuries. Um, You know, Alexander Madison, where available, 47% rostered on Yahoo, 78% rostered on CBS. So there are spots where he's available. He's obviously going to be someone who's way up there. Chuba Hubbard is going to be back in our lives, 37% rostered on Yahoo, 62 on uh, CBS. Uh, Jamal Williams, 39 on Yahoo, 55 on CBS. There are some obvious cases to be made for those guys. Then we can throw the Titans guys in the mix here. We can throw Matt Breida in the mix. Tevin Coleman got 16 carries. It was the lead uh, carry getter for the Jets uh, without Michael Carter out there. So, uh, Jake, I'll let you take this one away first. Uh, when you look at the running backs on the waiver wire this week, you know, obviously Madison, Chuba, they're in a class by themselves. Maybe you put Jamal Williams in there as well. You're shaking your head. What is, what is that about? Chuba. He's not even the lead anymore. Abdul is the lead now, and that's going to be a split backfield. I'm not messing around with that anymore. Okay. What about the other guys? Let's forget about Madison because we know what the deal is with him. Let's even forget about Jamal Williams because we know what it is with him. Jamar Jefferson. Brita. Don't discount Jamar Jefferson. He, well, I, um, yeah, but the Titans <laughs> yeah, and Brita and Tevin Coleman, how do we look at those guys? <laughs> uh, if you need a running back, I have zero interest in any of these. Matt Breida is the definition of insanity, just like the Mets. Mm-hmm. They're thinking you're going to get different <laughs> results doing the same thing. Got to find a way again. to get a Mets reference in after that busy weekend they had, huh? <laughs> A dig and thinking anything's going to be different this time around. But <laughs> no, the Breida thing was fun. I had him on a few DFS teams, and it was fun to see towards the end. And if Zach Moss continues to be inactive, then dice roll, but no more than an RB3 yeah. because it doesn't score a touchdown. It was a split. You know, yes, he came out of the game for a significant time after running the wrong way, but Singletary was still a 50 50 split in a backfield that Josh Allen still ruins a lot of games by. Mm-hmm. And then. Are we putting that much weight into the Titans, who still lost in the game that they ran that many times? They both had over 100 yards, and you know they come yep. out of the bite of the Jaguars, so maybe 
that's where I go for any of these because at least it's only two running backs, and at least they're coming out of the bye to face the Jaguars. And so you could say Deontay Foreman in the lead when they're in the lead, and Dontrell Hill, you're still going to get 50%, but they're still the lesser version of the Broncos. Not that mm-hmm. super excited, but teams are, you know, fantasy teams. Fantasy teams are needy right now, especially if yep. Swift does miss significant time and Cook does miss significant time. So of all of them, I'm not super excited about any of them, but it would be if the Titans guys are still out there. Yeah, I agree. Dontrell Hilliard, as I said in my column this week, it, like the Titans can't, you know, they can't afford to look gift, a gift horse in the mouth right now. And this is Hilliard two weeks in a row being the guy out there making plays. And Foreman looked good this time as, as well. But like if they're splitting and Hilliard ran more in, in, in the passing game, it was like 15 snaps to nine for Foreman. So like you want the guy, if they're splitting, that's going to be more active in the passing game. And we've seen that with, from Hilliard. So yeah, I'm with Jake. Those guys would be interesting to me in most specifically Hilliard. At Funston, you were just uh, talking about Jamar Jefferson. Is he someone who could be actually uh, a factor in fantasy leagues for you or someone who just muddies the waters for Jamal Williams in a world where DeAndre Swift does have to miss time? Yeah, I think that's the the latter. I mean, Jamal Williams is going to lead the way there, but I think Jamar Jefferson was on his way, you know, and then he got hurt. Um, But, you know, he's kind of back now. So Mm -hmm. I expect that they will explore his, you know, give him a bigger role going forward. I don't know how impactful that will be on Jamal Williams, but I think what he'll end up being is more annoying to people that went out and picked up Jamal Jamal Williams and anything else. <laughs> Can I interest either of you guys in Tevin Coleman after the 16 carry 67 yard game he had? You could barely mm. get me interested in him. Uh, no, because... it, it, ever like well, Atlanta for a hot minute. I was interested, but that's been a long time. <laughs> it's Rex Burkett in the Houston backfield. Is the It's the same backfield. The Jets are the same backfield. Don't want any of it. Yeah. So uh, let's say you're, you are someone let's just put yourself in the shoes of someone who Lost Dalvin Cook, didn't have Alexander Madison, is looking at losing CMC, is maybe looking at losing DeAndre Swift. We know this position is already thinned out enough to begin with. Um, are you making – you're not interested in Tevin Coleman. You're not necessarily interested in Matt Breida. You are interested in the Titans backs to a certain extent. Jake, are you still – are you making claims? If you're in that person's shoes, are you making claims on these guys even though you have to hold your nose while you're doing it? I mean, yeah. I mean, you go for Matt Breida and hopefully he changes things – with the way that things have been going, the stock's going in the right direction. I mean, that's what you do. But, you know, that's if you need starters. Uh, I keep saying this. I said it last week. I said it in the show this morning, and I continue to say it. It's like, at this point, if I don't need starters, my bench is goodbye. Forget the Rex mm-hmm. Burke heads of the world. Stop screwing around right, with the Rex. Right. Go make sure that Madison's not sitting out there. People dropped Cleo Herbert. People dropped Devonta Booker. Make sure those are not sitting out there. Jeff Wilson should not be sitting out there. Jarrett Patterson, despite the fact that Antonio Gibson looks okay, should not be sitting out there. Anybody who could potentially step into a lead role, Jamal Williams, should not Ronald, have been dropped. Ronald Jones. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Ronald Jones is what I, you know, he's in that next man up conversation now. Samaj so P. Ryan, I like this. Uh-huh. Do not lead these guys out there because, look, we're down one week. We might be down three guys one week. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do not let these high end backups sit out there at this point because you don't need fill ins for buys anymore. I mean, there and are as, some buys um, left, but you understand the point. Right. <laughs> right, right. We absolutely understand the point. There are four buys actually here in week 13, but still, like, we're basically past that part of the season. And uh, for people who are certainly in Yahoo leagues, I'm not sure what other uh, what other leagues allow you to do this, but with Washington playing tonight, if Jared Patterson's sitting out there and you've got some dead weight on your bench, go ahead, get rid of that dead weight, grab Jared Patterson, never know what's going to happen. All these injuries that we just saw in week 12 that was driven home for us yet again. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, guys, let's start talking about some games here. Packers and Rams, a fun game, 36-28. Big, big win for the Packers. The Rams reeling a bit here now. Great uh, result for the Cardinals, who had their week off and now are really in firm control of the NFC West. Jake, you talked a little bit about Aaron Jones being the lead guy for Green Bay in that game. We know that's probably going to be the case, especially coming out of the bye. He gets two weeks healthier. Uh, But A.J. Dillon did have 20 carries in that game. We know it was circumstantial to a certain certain extent, but is he someone you think can be started in fantasy leagues with alongside a healthy Aaron Jones? Yeah, sure. It's uh, I can compare it to the Cowboys. It, well, Zeke's situation is up in the air of whether or not they're going to give him some rest as they talked about his knee or whatever, but I think it's mm-hmm. the Cowboys situation where unlike the Broncos and they're both RB2s, this situation is more of you have a high-end fringe running back one and then the other options of fringe RB2 slash 3. So they're both startable. It's just the gap is bigger from the Broncos guys because the Broncos guys are neck and neck. And But they're both, right. you know, you can start them. It's just A.J. Dillon and Tony Pollard are RB3s, and you hopefully get a touchdown or a big week where they're grinding out the clock and they get double-digit carries. How about the side delay for OBJ, you guys? I mean, that yeah. was something that was uh, that was that was fun to see. Uh, Funston, how much solace do you take in that what we saw from OBJ in this game? 10 targets, uh, you know, 80 plus yards and a touchdown. Best fantasy day of the year. Got to probably go back, go back probably a long ways for his best fantasy day. But he had that game last year, like early season against the a rushing touchdown a Thursday, or something, right? It was a Thursday night game. Yeah. And like one long receiving touchdown. And this has to be his best game since then. Yeah. But I mean, I, you feel good about the volume, you know, five catches on 10 targets you'd like to see that be a little bit higher efficiency but this is for the first game getting a full game in and you know Mm -hmm. trying to learn this offense to get up to speed like this is a great start so again I I, like I I said before it's like you can see how Odell and Robert Woods have very similar kind of styles and it's you would expect that that would just kind of be plug and play ultimately and it, it sort of is looking that way already. Let's hear from both you guys on this. Obviously, uh, you have not yet started really your Week 13 ranking process, but just off the top of your head, Jake, where do you think Odell ranks in a, in a default week? And default week as in for waivers or for actual like a ranking? No, 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 like a wide receiver ranking. It's home against oh, the Jaguars still, no, this no, week. No, still, still no more than a wide receiver four. He's still behind Van. Oh, Jim. really? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the same okay. thing. As, yeah, same thing said going into this is that they're going to alternate – performances van jefferson and odell beckham don't expect it to hit every single week all three of them are going to have a big week every single week and i would still put van jefferson number two odell beckham also came up gimpy on the one play just again i trust van jefferson more than i trust odell beckham until he actually steps past him so wide receiver three high-end wide receiver three for van jefferson three you know any given week he could be like wide receiver 33 versus 38 so he goes from a wide receiver three to a wide receiver four somewhere around there but i would still keep odell beckham in that same range he's big play he needs a touchdown i I just don't see the volume being there oh how i mean he had 10 10 targets in this one i mean that, that's volume like i i, I said like, i said every week I mean, the only reason I don't see that he gets, you know, 10 targets next week is because it's Jacksonville and they're literally just, you know, that might be the reason that we downgrade Odell. I, I think he's more top third, like, you know, 
28 to 30. That's where I ranked him this week. And, like, I feel like there's just garbage in the 30s. I know you're saying that, Jake, but when you, when you actually do the rankings and you do it, like, like it's just a bunch of guys. And I'm like, am I going to take, I don't know, like a Corey Davis or a Marvin Jones, or am I going to go Odell Beckham? And I'm like, I'm going Odell Beckham with Matt Stafford in that offense every time. There you go. There you go. A couple of competing opinions on Odell Beckham. It'll be fun to certainly see uh, what this offense does. And again, I mean, the, the Rams are going to the playoffs, but you know, NFC West, it's looking slim at this point. The fact that they're now, what, two games behind in the standings and have a loss to the Cardinals already. So this is a team that is you know, not in full-on crisis mode, but in terms of being that high-end NFC competitor, there's some things for the Rams to figure out over these next few weeks. There's also some things to uh, figure out, I think, for the Vikings. And maybe the 49ers are indeed figuring things out. Now 6-5 and five after this big, big win could be huge in NFC wildcard competition for the fi- 49ers over the Vikings. I think we got to talk a little bit about Debo Samuel. Uh, Debo Samuel, the running back. Debo Samuel, the now injured player. Um, just impressions of this 49ers offense, including this Debo injury coming out of this game. Funston. Yeah, I mean, it's funny to me just watching that game. It's like, what are the Vikings thinking when Debo Samuel's in the backfield? Like, how can they continue to just give him the ball and have him go around the end on a sweep and have him get 10, 15 yards every time? It's like, it seems very obvious what they're doing, but, you know, the Vikings couldn't stop it. Uh, you know, the, the thing that enforced, you know, reinforced for me is that the 49ers will not ever ignore Debo Samuel. He is the absolute focal point of this offense, even with Elijah Mitchell looking great. Like, they are going to make sure every week that Debo Samuel is doing something that is dangerous to the opponent. And, uh, you know, it's just been consistent. You know, there's a lot of argument right now about people wanting Debo to be made RB eligible. Um, I think it's I think it's fair, but like there's no you know, there's no there's no set kind of parameters for making that happen. It's hard. So yeah. like I get that you don't do it. And I think he's more valuable as a wide receiver anyways. But um, I don't know. It's. He's just a stud. I mean, that's just another week of just reinforcing the fact that the guy's a stud. It's hard to do that in football. Like in baseball, it's so easy, right? You play X number of games at a position, you get X number of starts at a position, and you're eligible at that position. It's just very, very easy. It's hard to say, like, who's what. Because then if that if that's the case, then we're just going to, like – I mean, isn't then like George Kittle wide receiver eligible? Isn't well, like Dan yeah, Arnold but, but wide then the, the counter argument <laughs> is that you can't watch what's been going on with Debo these last few weeks and then go look at Cordell Patterson and say there's anything different because I mean, well, and Patterson sure. has dual that's, eligibility in a lot of different places. So uh-huh. um, that's all true. List, he's actually listed as a running back on the team. The team actually has him as a running back. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't Austin Eckler wide receiver eligible then? Yeah, it's, it's just well. Yeah, <laughs> even as literally is. like with the way the game with the way the game's played today. If we do that, isn't like almost every running back right. wide receiver eligible in fantasy? I remember Jimmy Graham with Seattle. Woods. You know, would never line up in line. <laughs> he would literally or Kyle Pitts. You know, it's like yeah. yeah. We're not we're not putting Robert Woods as running back eligible. You know, Debo's <laughs> got five carries. You know, that's the thing. What's uh-huh. as what you're saying, Beller? What's the difference between five carries and three carries? Like, what's the threshold? Yeah. So anyway, exactly. just move move forward. <laughs> All right, let's move forward to Bengals and Steelers, you guys. Uh, uh, just a, an enormous win for the Bengals in real life and maybe a uh, dose of reality for the Steelers as to what they really are in real life as well. But let's talk about the fantasy side of this. Jamar Chase, Najee Harris both really didn't do anything. Najee, you could certainly say this is you know game script driven. Jamar Chase has really slowed down over the last five weeks here. Any concerns, Jake, about a rookie wall for these guys? 
No. I mean, it was Chase's first really bad game, honestly, and Najee Harris is just the volume of the game script got out of hand. You would expect a little bit more in the passing game because he has that 13 reception game in the books, but it's mm-hmm. just it was bad for the Steelers. The only person that really came out of the game is Claypool was okay because he had the big catch right. that vaulted his day, but it was Deontay Johnson and Air Fryermuth. Those are really two. So, you know, Najee Harris will have better weeks. It's an off week. You know, not every single running back – puts up 15 plus points every single week because not any running back does that. Like maybe yeah. Christian McCaffrey in that one amazing season and maybe, you know, Derrick Henry before he got hurt, you know, maybe like there's maybe two or three guys you get in the conversation at last it's like these things happen. I'm not taking too much stock mm-hmm. into what happened yesterday. I, I mean, it has been four straight games for Jamar Chase under 50 yards. Well, so I think then that's the other thing is touchdowns. A little bit. Touchdowns, though. I know, um, I know, I know. But still, he was he was 90 yards without breaking a sweat. The I, first and six I don't care because he's still scoring touchdowns, just like I never cared about the fact that Adam Thielen's so touchdown reliant. He's going to suck this year. <laughs> not, not that you said it. I'm just saying, like, it's the right. same thing. This is part of his game is scoring touchdowns. I could have used one of those Adam Thielen touchdowns going to Justin Jefferson yesterday, just for the record. <laughs> well, I, I did, I did find it interesting, Burrow said, <laughs> during the break that he has, you know, coming out of the break that he learned how to be more patient and not, you know, lean on the big play so much. And you look at the two games out of the bye, they've thrown for less than 30, you know, 30 passes in both of those games. And mm-hmm. Joe Mixon is a huge emphasis right now. And if you look at this, Monster. if you look at this week, I mean, what's going to, I mean, San, the, the Chargers, I almost said San Diego. Wow. It's been a while. Uh, the Chargers are, <laughs> it's been a while. are good in the, in the past defense, but they're terrible in run defense. <laughs> Narrative probably going to be the same. Maybe no, no 30 pass attempts for Joe Burrow again. Yeah. It's a big game, also, right there uh, between those two teams. <laughs> Huge game in the. I mean, every oh, so many of these games in the AFC. I mean, the Dolphins, uh, after their little streak here, are now like sort of on the fringes of the playoff discussion too. It's going to be. It, it's it's been sort of like a, a strange season. It hasn't been the best like pure football watching season of my life, but it is going to be fun down the stretch here with everyone clumped together in the AFC with the AFC East race that we now have Bengals and Ravens in the AFC North so many wildcard teams that are all right one on top of the other and then what we have in the NFC too with those top teams jockeying for position at the very top of the conference and now a group of teams battling for those last few playoff spots not the prettiest football I've ever seen in my life but I think a fun end to the season with the way things are going here and it's going to apply in the fantasy world as well let's get back to Thanksgiving for a second here you guys go back to that big win for the Raiders they now sit at six and five after that win where they're six and five and the Broncos are six and five and the Chargers are six and five that whole division stacked one on top of the other the Cowboys meanwhile a really tough loss for them to take biggest favorites on the board in week 12 and they go down at home on Thanksgiving to the Raiders 36-33 Jake you said it earlier maybe Zeke is getting some rest from this point forward I know this is a question you get needled with a lot on Twitter I'm going to do it right here on this show is Tony Pollard better than Ezekiel Elliott fantasy wise this point forward (laughs) no uh yeah (laughs) I love how that joke snowballed to what it is, but Tony Pollard (laughs) is for the week or two or whatever it might be where he's the guy. He'll be in the RB1 conversation. But when it comes back, you know, maybe the split – see if you guys agree. This is what I said to Meany on the other show. It's like when Zeke Mm -hmm. comes back, if he does, if they do decide to give him rest, a game or two – is worst case scenario he comes back and now it's the Broncos instead of what it was. Like I said earlier, is similar to the Packers, mm-hmm. is you have a fringe RB1 in Zeke and an RB3 in Pollard. When he comes back, maybe Pollard plays so well that they're Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. We want Javante Williams to happen. Everybody wants Tony Pollard to happen. But they're both still great RB2s, and I think that's probably what we look at. And if I'm a contending team and my trade deadline hasn't passed, 
I will go buy low on the panic over Ezekiel Elliott. Is there anything to take away from the Raiders' performance in this game? I mean, they put up 36 points, a huge game for Hunter Renfro, really not much out of Darren Waller. Big play for Deshaun Jackson, which we know is going to be in a club in his bag until he's probably like 50 years old. But is there anything actionable that we can draw out of this game from what the Raiders did? I think you can look at Deshaun Jackson as a, you know, a, a, a a fair flyer most weeks because what's going to happen is they're going to, you know, they're going to hit Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, you know, all, all game long. And this week it was Hunter Renfro, but Darren Waller is going to get in that mix. And off of that, it's almost like play action for the passing game off of that. You're going to be able to get your shots with Deshaun Jackson as you're kind of luring that, that secondary in. So I think what you're going to get with Deshaun Jackson, I think is going to be like almost like a Marquez Valdez Scantling, where they're going to purposely take those deep shots with DJX a few times a game and, you know, you got a chance every time, you know, when that happens, you got a chance. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. what I was going to say. The real answer is that just start Foster Moreau as a tight end one if Darren Waller's out next week. Yeah. <laughs> that's the simple answer. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and that that position definitely stays the same regardless of who's filling it. And yeah, Raiders. Um, there, there's some. It, it's been a strange offense this year with some of these huge games. And right, they were throwing those stats up on Thanksgiving Day with leading the league in big pass plays, leading the league in big touchdown plays. But then they, you know, lose to the Giants and put up with like 16 points in that game. It's been a, a strange season for these Las Vegas Raiders. But here they are, six and five, three way tie behind the Chiefs, and just one game behind the Chiefs in the AFC West. That includes both. Both of these two teams, the Broncos and Chargers, Broncos get a 28-13 to 13 win over the Chargers. Is there a more Jekyll and Hyde team, Jake, than these San- – oh, my God. You got my head punched <laughs> Than these Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> no, and it comes down to that. I don't think there's very few quarterbacks that you could say are in the conversation of more Jekyll and Hyde, too. Her- Herbert's been kind of yeah. up and down this entire year, which is you know concern that I had, and I expected it to be even – as much as I had concerns, I did expect it to be a little bit better than it has been because when the downs mm-hmm. have been there, uh, they're not Cam Newton downs, but they're frustrating, especially for a fantasy performance because it's just not him. He affects the entire offense, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, everybody included. Um, you know, this is just who the Chargers are, though. It kind of feels like this is Chargers for the past 10 years. Like, are they good has been the question we've had for 10 years. <laughs> right. And we always blamed it on their field the goals. but Danian Chargers. Yeah, but it's like even the field goal, like everybody's, oh, they blew another field goal. Yeah, but it's like, is are the Chargers ever really that good? Look, you're fine. Keenan Allen's still top 15 wide receiver. Mike Williams is still in that wide receiver three conversation. I take Mike Williams over Oda Beckham. You still take him over Oda Beckham, right? Yeah, That's your boy, Weston. You better yeah, take him. I would. <laughs> and Eckler's a fine RB1. It's chasing anything else on this team is fool's gold. And if you have Herbert, I'd say, I'd say this. The only takeaway is if Herbert is your quarterback and you didn't have a backup plan for the playoffs, maybe try and go find one. Just in case, matchup wise. Yeah. You want me to follow up on that? I I don't really have a whole lot to say, but I don't really want to talk about Teddy Bridgewater either. So I don't know what to. Yeah. <laughs> there is I, nothing yeah, to talk I about on that side of the ball. I understand. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there is really anything to talk about. I'll just say that. These like we need to uh, after the season. I want to take a look back at these Broncos running backs. I feel like there's never been, there's not nothing that comes immediately to mind where there's been two guys who have basically split the workload, you know, relatively fifty fifty all season long, and been this like comfortably productive. Both of them, like you got Melvin Gordon, you feel good about it. You got Javante Williams, you feel good about it. You know, they don't really have bad weeks. Totally pull away. Yeah, they just don't have bad weeks. They don't always have standout weeks, but they both have very high floors, and they always, always, always like. Sometimes we use—I feel like we use the word floor wrong. Those guys, I mean, when we say floor, when we say like a 
eight point PPR half PPR floor. We literally mean it. Well, Beller, so I don't know if you're old floor? enough for uh, the Barry Word Christian Okoye combo backfield in Kansas City, but they were both thousand yard rushers in the same backfield. Back in the day, so maybe I mean maybe there's someone else that pops up before then, but that's what jumped <laughs> to mind for me, which was a long time ago. I am not, and like like you can go back to um, you know the Super Bowl Falcons and Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman, but they were like they didn't have Coleman didn't have the floor that Gordon and Javante have. He had some big weeks, and he was a great guy to start, but he didn't have the floor. Like there were some ugly ones too that yeah. you just really aren't seeing. From these Broncos backs, it's been kind of kind of fascinating. Well, D'Angelo and Jonathan Stewart was one one of the original. Yeah, yeah, probably would be it. Probably would be one of those years with those two guys in Carolina. That was the last time we Devonta saw Freeman, backs Kevin be, Coleman. Are we be, just like this, just can you list listing off names? <laughs> that's a little attention you pay to what I said. I, <laughs> what I say, I just said those guys. Oh well, yeah, because you guys just kept listing names, and I missed that one. <laughs> there was too many names flying around. <laughs> All right, you're going. You're going on timeout, Jake. That's it. I've had. I've had enough of you. Timeout for Jake Seely. All right, timeout over for Jake Seely. Let's talk Buccaneers and Colts, you guys. Uh, Jake, let's start with you since you're out of uh, out of the corner. Any worry for Tom Brady? Uh, it's been uh, what now a month running here that we really haven't seen any big fantasy game for him. Do you worry at all about that going forward? I don't. This is another one where you know, this kind of thing happens. Where I mean, we're not. We're not worried about Josh Allen against the Jaguars so we're gonna be worried about Tom Brady when the game was just all mm-hmm. it was was just a run was just dominating that game Leonard Fournette dominated Ronald Jones even scored a touchdown rushing in that game that's all you need to know about how this game was going from a run standpoint so it's Tom Brady this is another one to go back to it let's go down mm-hmm. the list of quarterbacks that haven't had a bad week there are none yeah Lamar Jackson just yeah. had a miserable game Josh Allen miserable game multiple and it was one of those against the Jaguars Tom Brady's gonna have an off week Daft Prescott there are no quarterbacks that haven't had at least one bad game so I'm not worried about Tom Brady um yeah Brunson, you got a counter argument yeah there? just the, you know it, he has five what a bunch of interceptions lately but those yeah. I mean in, unless you're in a league that really jacks those up those don't typically kill you I mean Tom Brady's still been regularly a couple touchdowns plus a game and you know getting over 300 yards most of the time so as Jake said this was this was more down than typical but uh, yeah not not a concern at all how does Jonathan Taylor uh, get his first second half carry in the fourth quarter in a game where the Colts have a 14-point lead at halftime? Or a 10-point lead? A double-digit lead. How about let's talk about how much Naheem Hines was on the field for the end of the second quarter. Was, <laughs> yeah. Trust me, I was watching that as a Jonathan Taylor team. So, like, it's just frustrating. This is, But that was the worry at the beginning of the year was that Naeem Hines was going to capitalize so much of the two-minute sure. drill in the passing game. I think that was also just a maybe they scripted something that they saw against the Buccaneers that Hines, they wanted to get him out there for specific mm-hmm. reasons. But I think the second half, hopefully similar to like Shanahan and similar to like Urban Meyer going to James Robinson, is hopefully the offense or the, the staff looked at that and said, you know what, let's stop screwing around with Hines. Jonathan Taylor can do the same <laughs> thing and can do even more when they saw it happen in the second half. Oh my God! Well, yeah. that fourth quarter possession where it was all Jonathan Taylor to tie the game up, dude. He was just yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like if this is Jonathan Taylor's floor, you know, which is basically <laughs> pushing pushing a hundred yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. I, I you know, I have Jonathan Taylor in a couple of leagues. I I can live with this being his floor. I mean, that one possession that tied the game at thirty one. He had fifty eight rushing yards and a touchdown. <laughs> that's that's better than like eighty percent of running backs' entire days. He does that on one drive, and so. 
It wasn't a great week for Wisconsin football on Saturday, but we will always claim Jonathan Taylor on Sundays. How about the Patriots and the Titans? You guys, Patriots win this game 36-13. to 13. Um, We talked about the Titans running back situation already, so I don't think we need to revisit that. I watched a good chunk of this game because I had uh, the Patriots in my uh, lone remaining survivor pool, so go Patriots. Thank you very much. It was closer than it felt. It was closer than this score suggests for most of the game before the Patriots ended up pulling away in the fourth quarter. And, and so, yeah, I wonder if we still feel the same way about the Patriots backs that we thought we did coming into this, where we thought they were the Denver backs basically one for one. I think we maybe have to think about them as being a similar style of backfield Funston, but not quite at the level that we get from Denver week in and week out. Yeah, but they were both questionable coming in as well. Um, I, yeah, I, I kind of mostly like in in my rankings, I do have the, I did have the Denver backs just like a little bit ahead of them, but they're kind of like the they're the one B. If they're the one, if the Denver backs are the one A, I'm still gonna probably have one of those guys as a very back end RB two, and the other one as like a very front end RB three. Um, but it, it did look like Damian Harris kind of went back to being the lead guy, um, you know, but it's not much of a lead at all. I think the thing about this New England offense is it's gonna maybe get interesting because of the success of this back field and the way this team is going and we saw it you know mac jones is going to be able to take advantage of that in the passing game because of the viability of this running game and it's the way it works right like you have a threat in the backfield it just opens up the passing game and, and you know he had 300 plus yards a couple touchdowns kendrick Bourne looked good so we'll see if they can build on that in the passing game yeah, five catches for 98 yards for Jacoby Myers as well, and that's exactly where I was going to go to you, Jake. Do you take anything out of this for New England's passing game with them looking as good as they did against the Titans? No, they're all still wide receiver three slash fours. I put them in the same conversation as Odell Beckham, honestly, and the fact that, like, you know, to what Foster was saying, I think maybe agree on this part of it, is that, you know, Bourne, yeah, he had a big game, but he's had big games before. And then he disappears the week that Aguilar scores. And then Jacoby Myers is the floor guy who just every single week puts up his Julian Edelman-like games and then finally gets one touchdown mixed in there. But they're all in that same conversation. And honestly, like if I had Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, Odo Beckham, Van Jefferson, week in and week out, those four might rank differently just based on the matchups. Uh, I looked up real quick. To what you're saying about the running backs, their snap percentage was actually exactly the same last week. So I think it's a very good comparison as the Broncos and that, I mean, all four, we said that two weeks ago when they were healthy, yeah. is that yeah. all four of them mm-hmm. would be like 25 to 30 or 22 to 30, yeah. depending. Right. Right. I think that's fair. I just don't think they have quite the same juice that the Denver guys do. But like the the breakdown, the way we talk about Javante and Melvin working together is exactly the same as what we should be talking about with Harrison Stevenson. Yeah. That's how I would look at it. Um, All right, let's go back to Thursday again. We got two more Thanksgiving games. Let's hit those back-to-back. Let's start with Bears and Lions. Bears squeak out a 16-14 win. Who cares about that? No one, right? But there's something to care about on the Bears side of things. Another 100-yard game for Darnell Mooney. And how about eight grabs for 65 yards for Cole Komet as well? Jake, what do you think about these two guys going forward? Cole Komet is a fun streamer. The uh, funny thing was is I had him as my streaming option. I dropped him for Evan Ingram for this week's streamer once I found out that they were going to be down. To... Not even the top-scoring tight end on his own team, Evan Ingram. No, well, yeah, because it came down to the fact that there was no Sterling Shepard and no Kadarius Toney, and it was looking fine in the first half. And then, but, you know, it's, you know Cole Komet's the same, but they're all in the same group. You know, it's tight end streaming options. It's just that's what you're looking at here is just it's mm-hmm. it's a mess. And who's in a tight end streaming conversation now, too, is Kyle Pitts. Uh, they take names off jerseys. Oh. It's just, and honestly, they're probably all ahead of Noah Fant, who should have been dropped weeks ago, as I said, it continues to be dropped. It's just tight end 
is fun when people think in week three, hey, tight end's back. It's relevant again. And then we get to the midpoint of the season. It's like, oh, there's only six guys that are any good. Yeah. Uh, Fudston, what about you on these two guys, Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet, both coming up with uh, nice games on Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah. Mo- Mooney was simple. Games for Mooney. Mooney's been a top yeah, 30 yeah. wide receiver, period. But, yeah, go ahead, Mosley. Yeah, well, I mean, are we worried? Because I am. If it's Justin Fields again, I mean, it's, it's, I'm not completely worried. It's not. I don't think it's a death knell, but I've obviously enjoyed, um, you know, as a Darnell Mooney. Someone has Darnell Mooney. I've enjoyed Andy Dalton being back in there yeah, for that, hand. for that little, you know, for the blip that we've seen so far. Darnell Mooney versus Odell Beckham, Funston. Honestly, I'm going to go Beckham. I just I, I want to be attached Mooney. to the Rams offense more more than I want to be attached to the Bears offense. All right, you heard it here first. Jake Seeley likes the Bears better than the Rams. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Bears over Rams in Jake's world. Uh, the other Thanksgiving game that we had, the nightcap, Bills and Saints. Bills get back on track with a 31-6 win. Uh, Funston, let's look at the Saints side of things because you know the Bills we've basically beaten to death and we know what to think of that offense, I think, week in and week out. But you know, no Alvin Kamara, no Mark Ingram. So obviously that hamstrung the Saints offense, but like, is there anything other than one of those backs to get excited about here? Or is this just you start the starting running back and you forget about the rest of the team? Well, if it's Tony Jones, you can't even start Tony Jones if, it's, if he's a starting running back. I made that mistake, and that has so crippled I. me uh, in a couple places. Listen, we're all just waiting on Taysom Hill. It's Taysom Hill time, and clearly he must not have been ready. But um, I got to think that they are making that move because Trevor Simeon is just, it's you know, he is not like this is not a Taylor Heineke feel good story here. This is this is a crappy backup and they need to just do something completely different because this offense has no playmakers. You might as well make it be the quarterback and run, you know, some college style offense with Taysom Hill. Uh, but I'm ready for it. I think all the Saints fans are ready for it. I know in the comments section of Saints stories, the Saints fans are absolutely ready for it. So I'm expecting if Taysom Hill's ready to go, he's the guy. And I'm interested, you know, as as someone who's rostering Russell Wilson and Cam Newton, uh, I'll, you know, I'll be in on Taysom Hill and get rid of Cam Newton. We got to think that's coming right when he's ready. It has to be Taysom Hill. I mean, forget about the fact that Trevor Simeon just isn't very good, but like this Saints team now is slipping five and six. And, you know, we've got the six and five uh, 49ers. We've got the five and six Vikings. And like they're still very much alive in this NFC playoff race. But if they keep riding with Simeon, it's not going to happen for them. So, I mean, Jake, do we, we got to believe that even though we haven't heard it straight from Sean Payton, that Taysom Hill is coming, right? Uh, yeah, I've been on that for a couple of weeks and the fact that he's just not healthy. But as soon as he is, mm-hmm. I would expect the swap to happen. Yeah, definitely on that same page as well. How about Dolphins and Panthers, you guys? A big win for the Dolphins, 33-10. to 10. I think we've we've talked about this game from most directions. Funston, you mentioned as your winner that Dolphins offense, specifically Jalen Waddell and Miles Gaskin. We also talked about Cam Newton as a big loser in this game. Is there anything else, Funston, you draw out of this one, or can we just move on? And DJ Moore had a had a pretty good game. You know, it's that's he's kind of been weirdly, even though Cam Newton, had, you know, passing wise has been Cam Newton. DJ uh-huh. Moore is at least keeping his value afloat, and that's that's encouraging to see. But yeah, other than that, you know, not a whole lot, a whole lot to take away. Jake, you you draw anything out of the running back situation without uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey? You say uh, Amir Abdullah maybe looking like the more primary runner in a world where CMC is out, but is this a backfield that you want to avoid? Most, I mean, you can't 
ignore our backfields if you're, as you mentioned earlier in the show, if you're dealing with a situation where you lost Cook and multiple pieces and you're fine, you're scratching to find players to start in general, mm-hmm. you go after them and you maybe if you can stash both of them to see who breaks in the lead. But like I said, the, the recent use has been Abdul over Chuba Hubbard and maybe they go back to Hubbard as the lead, similar to Dante Foreman. And then it's like that, yep. that kind of split. And but now you're again, this is a backfield led by Cam, which is similar to Josh Allen, so it's gonna be frustrating. I would say Abdullah is slightly in front of Hubbard, but it's one that yeah, unless I absolutely needed a running back, I'd rather see it play out before I went to it. And we also don't know how long Christian McCaffrey might be out. Yeah, that's something that we're definitely gonna have to be watching this week as the news unfolds. We've got four more games to talk about here. Jets and Texans, you guys. That's the first of these four remaining games. Jake, you're first. Funston, you're second. Jake, do you care about anything that happened in this game from a fantasy perspective? Yeah, but it's bad, honestly. Like, uh, I don't really care about the Texans' backfield. I just continue to not care about the backfield. Brandon Cooks continues to be a wide receiver three. Yopi scores a touchdown or gets peppered with targets, and that's the end of mm-hmm. the Texans. The Jets don't want anything to do with this backfield it is the Houston backfield without Michael Carter but the biggest takeaway that's the bad is that look at what just happened against the Texans defense we're talking about the Texans defense everybody we're not talking practice we're talking Texans defense talk Texas defense and Zach Wilson it's almost like practice yeah Zach Wilson ruined that passing game ruined Elijah Moore four for what was a 46 47 or something like that Jameson Crowder one there's receptions going to the backfield. One, like just, he ruined it. He ruined this offense. And that's the takeaway. That's the takeaway is like even Corey Davis coming back. If Corey Davis is out, can't start Elijah Moore over Odell Beckham. Can't start over Odell Beckham. Even if Corey Davis is back, I would start Odell Beckham over Corey Davis. Like that's just how bad Zach Wilson is for this offense. Yeah. Funston, you care about anything from this one? Well, no, and I think Jake made the point, you know, Brandon Cooks is still a wide receiver three, and I make the mistake in good matchups yeah. of, of moving Brandon Cooks up into that almost top 20 range, and I got to stop doing that because it doesn't matter the matchup. Mm-hmm. It's Brandon Cooks is a wide receiver three, and I kind of need to make sure in my mind I cement him there. About 24 hours ago, Funston and I were getting ready to start our usual uh, Sunday chat at uh, The Athletic, which is available only to subscribers. And today is the last day to get our Black Friday deal, theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod, $1 a month, $12 for the whole year. Get access to everything we do, including this chat that Funston and I do. So anyway, 24 hours ago, uh, Funston and I are about getting ready to start this. And I say to Funston before we get going, hey, uh, let me uh, let me pick your brain for a second selfishly. Jamison Crowder or Robbie Anderson? And was there a less consequential question no. Winston, all day no, yesterday? But, but it also seemed like <laughs> a Jameson windmill. Crowder versus <laughs> Robbie Anderson. Seemed like a windmill slam dunk of Crowder <laughs> over Anderson, though. I honestly don't even know how that oh, worked good. out. I, I don't think it worked out well for Jamison Crowder, but I can't remember Robbie Anderson doing anything either. Well, Robbie Anderson won the battle. But uh, he had what, like he had like two catches for nine yards or something, and, and Crowder had one. It was for a BB gun. It was so a BB gun Robbie battle. Anderson yeah. was <laughs> right, but uh, not exactly something that's going to, I think, determine uh, if I win or lose this week. Falcons taking down the Jaguars by that same twenty-one to fourteen score. Jake, you said it earlier. Kyle Pitts is, I mean, in the tight end streaming discussion, it's just been ugly for him. And I think that's something that we have to reckon with right now, right? I mean, like, if you've got Kyle Pitts, is he an auto starter for you? No, he's not. Honestly, there's, yeah, you could go. You should have picked up Fryermuth weeks ago, and you'd be starting Fryermuth over him. Uh, you can say that, you know, you looked at this week, and you could have made a case that Cole Komet in that matchup 
was a better start and he would have been and you know hindsight you know looks a little By different far. than going into it but the the fact is it's the same thing he's in the Hawkinson conversation a couple of weeks ago we had made the decision in Hawkinson to fall into streamable because it's the same mm-hmm. situation who are you going to stop in the passing game and that's what teams are doing they're triple covering yep. Kyle Pitts and forcing Matt Ryan to go to Russell Gage and Zacchaeus and all the rest of them and it's not doing great, great outside of Cordero Patterson. So, yeah, he's a permanent streamer. And then I'd say low-end tight end one. Yeah. And, and that, you know, the, the problem is, is Cordero Patterson was back, and I did not expect him to be all the way back, but he absolutely was. You know, and, and uh-huh. you know, at least that gives them a, another threat to help. But that, you know, it didn't do anything to help, obviously. But that, that, is, that was crazy. I, I had told people – be careful about Cordero Patterson. Everything where it was close, I was telling him, well, you know what? We feel good about the health of the other guys. Let's not, you know, let's go ahead and sit Cordero Patterson. He absolutely went out and burned me. I mean, this is a Virginia Zaka saying this is a this is a mild high ankle sprain, but even that's a three- to four-week injury, and you don't want to mess yeah. with, with playing too early. And here he is like a week and a half after suffering it, and he's back and looking looking great. So that was surprising. He looked he looked awesome. And, uh, yeah, Cordell Patterson, James Robinson, the running backs on these two teams matter. Really not a whole lot else. Two more games, you guys. Giants and Eagles. Thank you, New York Giants, for taking out two people in my survivor pool, getting us down to eight going into week 13. 13-7 uh, to seven was the game here, but who, baby, this was an ugly one. Jake, you said it earlier, right? Every quarterback has a bad game at some point. I think this was Jalen Hurts' first bad fantasy game of the season. He's had some bad real-life games that have turned into decent fantasy games. This was his first bad fantasy game of the season. Uh, do you draw anything away from either side of this one, Jake? Yeah, it's just the fact that the Giants defense, pass defense, is something that needs to be respected. Mentioned it on the ranking show two weeks ago. Not last. Two weeks ago, last, yeah. I was about to say last week I was out for that one. So, But I continue to say they, they give up receptions in some yards because they keep everything in front of them. And they just they have the secondary to limit teams. I'm not saying be afraid of them like you are you know, a Darius Slay matchup on the other side of the ball. But Darius Slay, in the same conversation, be afraid when people face Darius Slay. Be afraid to a degree when they're mm-hmm. facing. That's really all you take out of this and that you don't want anything in the Giants passing game unless the name is Sterling Shepard or Kadarius Tony. And only if one – and if it's only – if they're both playing at Shepard and then if Shepard's out, it's Tony. Like, that's – you don't want Galladay. You don't want Slay. You don't want anything else. And <laughs> that's just what it comes down to. But, yeah, the, the, the hurt side of it is just a throwaway game. Yep, for sure. Well, he still ran for 77 yards. Right. Yeah, and if if Jay, if Jalen Rager was actually a replacement level talent in this league, then <laughs> he might have had a lot better a day. Jalen yeah. Rager just conti- continues to bury himself as a professional. <laughs> just not a good player. Uh, hey, remember who was, you remember who was on the draft board at that point? Justin Jefferson. Uh, oh gosh, that one. I mean, ever, anyone could you imagine? Oh geez. Yeah. Yes, I think Eagles fans absolutely could imagine. Um, Boston Scott. Anyone care about the fifteen sixty four and a touchdown he had in this one? I mean, Sanders well, got banged hurt himself. Banged yeah, yeah, he got yeah. banged, but he came back. It's just no. This is the, the, but mm-hmm. this is the Eagles' backfield. The Eagles' backfield is a productive, yeah. frustrating backfield. That's just all it is. It's the, <laughs> it's the actual usable version of the Texans. But yep. the problem is, there's still three people involved <laughs> yeah. because Jordan Howard is going to come back in a week or two. Yeah. And especially when you got the quarterback taken like 60 yards off the table as a minimum every single week yeah. also. That doesn't make things any better. Absolutely. One more game to talk about here. Sunday Night Football. Ravens get a uh, yeah. big win over the Browns to uh, put themselves on top of the AFC North, put themselves on top of the AFC totally. But it was <laughs> ugly. Four interceptions from Lamar Jackson. Baker Mayfield can barely move around the field. This is another game, guys, where I'm like scratching my head like, 
I don't know, Funson, is there, like, from a pure fantasy perspective, action ability going forward, is there anything that we can care about from this game? I would say this is finally a game where Jarvis Landry looked like the one wide receiver option in an offense and was treated, you know, that way and actually put up numbers, uh, you know, on the level of somebody who is that, uh, you know, but do, am, am I going to be able to count on that going forward? No, but it is, that is, you know, that is the narrative here is that, you know, what when they do throw the ball, Jarvis Landry is basically the only viable receiving option. I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones was there, but he was kind of doing a Jalen Rager impersonation <laughs> for the most part. But well, uh, I would kind of lean in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's it. So go ahead, still, Jake, if you have still, anything to take Still away. celebrating the Michigan win from Saturday. <laughs> that's true. DPJ. That, that could be it. <laughs> uh, Jake, you got anything for us to care about from Ravens and Browns? Not really. I just it's that the Ravens run defense is something to worry about when you're facing them, though. That'd be the only yeah. takeaway there. Kareem Hunt's healthy coming, but they yeah. not they have a bias. So you have to wait for that anyway. Right, right. And you probably feel good about that, right? You get him back. He didn't do much, but you get him back. You get a game under his belt. Now he gets the bye. Comes back in week fourteen. It kind of felt like the- a felt like a slow play Kareem Hunt back into the mix kind of a game, didn't it? I mean, yeah, it did. It, I guess yeah. I didn't. But we never know exactly what's coach speak and what's for real. I didn't totally buy the ease Kareem Hunt back in but it sort of felt like that's exactly what they did. So coming out of that in week 14, you'll definitely feel good about Kareem Hunt back in your fantasy lineup. And hopefully it'll mean something to you because week 14, as we talked about at the top of the show, bringing things full circle. Now the last week of the typical fantasy football regular season. That's going to do it for us here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us again one more time. Today's the last day. $1 a month, $12 for the full year. Get an athletic subscription, theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod. For Jake and Funston, I am Michael Beller. Thanks for being with us. We're here with you all week on TAFFP. Talk to you soon. 